hey, it's Dave, and you know I'm not a fan of pre-rolls, so the fact that I'm doing one, you know this is important, and it's time-sensitive, because March 21st at 5.30 Eastern, myself and my favorite book guru, Thomas Umstadt Jr., are doing a webinar on book launch secrets. And if you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash book launch, you'll learn more about it. But I just wanted to get this in here because that's right around the corner. Again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash book launch. Today on the podcast review show, we're taking a look at the leadership jam session. Welcome to the podcast review show hosted by radio veteran Eric K. Johnson from podcasttalentcoach.com and Hall of Fame podcaster Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting. Dave and Eric help you identify those things you are doing right so you can do more of those and lose those things that don't deliver value to your audience. Join in on the conversation at podcastreviewshow.com. Welcome to the podcast review show. I'm Dave Jackson from the school of podcasting.com. Joining me as always is Eric K. Johnson. You might know him as the podcast talent coach. Eric, how's it going? Who do we got on the show tonight? Things are good, Dave. Tonight we are joined by Rob Fonte from Leadership Jam Session Podcast and James Christie, his producer. Guys, thanks for joining us on the show tonight. Thanks. It's great to be here. Rob, when did you know you wanted to start a podcast? Well, it was actually James, my producer, who really talked me into doing it about last fall. Actually, it took him several months to convince me (laughs) to do it. And I finally crawled out of my cave and evolved with the real world and decided to launch the podcast last fall. I think we did it in, in October. What was the biggest hurdle? What was stopping you? Probably the unknown. And it was really more around my lack of awareness around podcasting. And it took me a lot of time to just research it and really just take that first step in in doing it. Tell us a little bit about your show. Well, rather than having me read the iTunes description, why don't you tell us about it and who your target audience is? Okay, great. Yeah. The uh, idea came from basically my business, which I am a leadership consultant. I do a lot of management training, a lot of leadership workshops. And And I have a lot of experience managing teams over the years. And when I launched my own business, I realized that some of the best training that really happens is not so much from listening to myself speak. It's more about getting managers in the room together and having them share their best practices and some of the pains that they're going through and the solutions that are there within them. And so with that idea, I I took that and that's how the Leadership Jam session was born. If you think about it, musicians, every time, some of the best music that was ever created was when musicians get together and just jam. And so that's the whole concept around the jam session, bring in real world leaders who are in the trenches to come on the show and talk about some of the best practices, some of the challenges, share their stories, their techniques with other leaders out there that they can actually apply to their day-to-day challenges. Who is the ideal target listener? Who is the the one that you're really trying to uh, instill some of this knowledge into? Is it the brand new manager leader or is it uh, the C-suite guy? Yeah. So it's a great question. It's really all levels of leadership. Anybody who's managing people, including those out there who I think are 
arguably one of the most important groups, the emerging leaders, the ones that want to become managers one day, where they too can learn a great deal about managing people before they ever even take over a team. So it's really for uh, any level. And I bring on guests who are, who represent all the different levels of leadership. Tell me a little bit about your business and your your leadership consultancy, who you work with and what you help them achieve. Yeah, so I work with a lot of clients from various different industries. I come from a healthcare background. Most of my corporate career, 20 plus career, was spent in uh, healthcare, some pharmaceuticals and biotech. And really, I work with, again, all levels of, of leaders. And it and it doesn't really matter what department they're from, whether they're IT, research, sales. That is pretty much my my participants that really come to my workshops that really help them understand how to how to better manage their people. And again, regardless of the level, uh, a lot of the the concepts that we focus on really apply to all different levels. And then James, what were obviously you, I get, are you the producer, the editor? It's always one of those weird verbs that has kind of, or you just, you do everything else basically. What's, what's your role here? Yeah, I guess, I guess Rob would describe me as a uh, part producer, editor, uh, business consultant, uh, growth consultant <laughs> in terms of bringing these ideas to Rob to help him scale his business. I, I think today you find a lot of entrepreneurs and, and, coaches, trainers who are solopreneurs and run their own business and they're N of one and they're spending the majority of their time in the front of the room. And, uh, you know, that's where their time is spent. But in order to grow your business and, and grow your, your thought leadership to reach more people and help more people got together with Rob and he, he knew sort of my background uh, we used to work for the same organization and I just have a, a, a healthy curiosity for learning. So I picked up from the marketing perspective, I've been in marketing for the past 15 years, just out of sheer interest, picked up podcasting, picked up, uh, you know, how to scale business. I'm no entrepreneur. I, I do this kind of out of passion, out of fun, but I do a lot of learning and just picking things up from folks like Amy Porterfield and and Pat Flynn and John Lee Dumas and Michael Hyatt and, you know, some of those folks, uh, Dave yourself and listening to the School of Podcasting and just picking up tips here and there. So, you know, I, I jumped in with both feet and said, Rob, if you really want to scale your business, here's some, here's some ideas and he either thought I was crazy or a genius and said, I'm bringing you on. <laughs> let, let's go ahead and do this. And with literally within, Rob, what was it? Two, two months from start to finish, overhaul of website, signed up with Rebel Base Media and, and worked with the UK overseas and, and got yeah. them to refresh their website with Mark and his team. Yep. And then put, you know, I took Pat Flynn's course, knocked that out in a matter of, you know, days I was I was pretty well ahead when I got through the course anyway, just on my own learning. And then I think we launched it within two months. And now today I, I still do a lot of the, you know, the not just the production, but as we think about marketing, we think about growth, we think about channels to, to deliver. And and now hoping today to figure out from you guys if if we're on the mark, missing the mark, or we, you know, and, and then how do we grow? All right. Well, let's start off where I'm going to play the, uh, this is like the first minute because you kind of go, you do, I'll already tell you one thing you do really well is you get right to a lot of times the train wreck 
is somebody introducing their panel. And I thought you did a great job. So we're going to listen to the opening up through the the panelists. And I think the very first question. You're listening to the Leadership Jam Session Podcast, the place where you'll get to hear leaders at all levels of management share their practical solutions to the management challenge you face every day. So let's give it a jam. I'm your host, Rob Fonte. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Jam Session. Today's episode will consist of a panel discussion with three highly accomplished leaders. And the topic you're going to hear us discuss today has to do with hiring top talent. The good, the bad, and yes, the ugly. As many of you are aware, hiring is one of the hardest things a manager has to do. So I hand-selected three leaders who I know have great track records in building high-performing teams. And some of that success is based on their ability to not only hire top talent, but to hire the right talent. So take a listen, as I'm sure you'll walk away with some helpful tips that you can apply the next time you hire someone. So let's take a moment to introduce our panel of leaders. Our first leader is Paul Johnston, who is a regional sales director with 12 years of management experience and almost 30 years of healthcare industry experience. Paul, welcome to the Jam Session. Thanks, Rob. Hey, congratulations on your new podcast. This is awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Our next guest is John Fisher, who is a regional business director with eight years of management experience and over 20 years of healthcare industry experience. John, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Rob. Thanks for inviting me here. I'm looking forward to this. And also, let you know that if you hear me called Fish, I go by also. Great, Fish. Welcome to the show. Yeah. And so these guys have all worked together at one point at the same company. So you might hear some nicknames getting thrown out there. So. Paul Johnston also goes by PJ as well. Our final guest is Glenn Whitwer, who's a regional area director with four years of management experience and over 30 years of healthcare industry experience as well. And I've had the pleasure of working with Glenn soon after he became a manager, and it was very apparent that Glenn already came into the role with some natural leadership abilities. I'm excited to have you on the jam session as well, Glenn. Welcome. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me. I guess I'm the newbie manager of the group. Thanks for uh, the invitation and looking forward to be part of this panel. And as far as we know, you don't have any nicknames. It's just Glenn, or at least any nicknames that you want to publicly none, make aware. Right. <laughs> none that are podcast appropriate. All right. There we go. All right. So you guys ready to jam? Let's do it. You bet, Rob. You got it. All right. So let's jump into this. Perhaps you guys can share a best practice or one successful interview technique that's worked well for you. Fish, why don't we start with you? There we go. What I liked about this is the the show comes in, got a little intro music, you explain what it is, and I see so many people turn internet introducing your guests into a giant train wreck because the guests think they have to be funny or entertaining. And it's always like, hey, Rob, what's up, dude? Because uh, I don't know what to say here. Uh, and it's like, uh, and it was just like, here's my guy. Here's why he's here. 80 millions of experience. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Rob. Glad to be here. My next guest, and I was like, oh, wow, this right there, I was immediately like, wow, these guys are prepared. They actually know what's going to happen, and nobody's trying to, you know, do their best Oscar the Grouch imitation because they think it's funny. (laughs) So, and then you got right to a question, and it was a good question. It wasn't like, so... What have you guys been up to? What's the weather like in your state? You know, it's like, ah, oh, when I heard they were going to, there's a, a company that's going to start turning Zoom calls into podcasts. And I'm like, oh, great. We're going to have the first 10 minutes being, are you, can you hear me? Is this on? Can it, like, that's going to make a really entertaining podcast. So Eric, what were you, what were your thoughts on the, on the intro? I thought the intro did a great job of describing uh, who the show's for and what they will get by listening to the episode. 
I like the music at the beginning. It sounds like a jam, a jam session, which was pretty cool. I thought the intro needs a little bit about you, Rob. Like, who are you? What's your expertise in this niche? Why should we pay attention to what you have to say? Like, uh, you you come in and like, hey, welcome to the show. Here's our great guests. But you're just kind of set up as a moderator, and we don't know a whole lot about you. If you want to use the podcast to build your brand and and grow your consultancy and demonstrate your authority in the space and your expertise, give just a little nugget up front there about how long you've been in leadership or how long you've been coaching leaders or something that gives us a reason to go, oh, okay, Rob knows what he's talking about. We should probably stick around and listen to what he has to say. So I think the intro needs a little bit about that. I love the the panel format of the show, of this one. And the, the, the suggestion I'll give you, and that we'll get into a little bit later. Here at the very beginning, I love the way you introduce them. I love the fact that they come back with a nice little quip, but it's not very long. And then you get into the question, but you call them out by name. You know, you call out, Fish, let's start with you. And so when Fish starts talking, we know that voice is Fish. A little later on in the episode, you randomly, the guys will just start talking. And since we know you from listening to the show, but we don't know the other two guys, we aren't really sure who's talking. And that takes a little bit of setup at the beginning. Like if I was running my podcast and I had the three of you on, I would say before we started recording, I'd say, James, if you want to talk, just kind of raise your hand a little bit so I can see that you want to talk. And then I would ask the question or I'd say, James, what are your thoughts on that? And then James would talk and I would be able to say, oh, that's James' voice as a listener. Or Dave wants to talk, Dave would just kind of raise his hand. And then I would say, uh, Dave, what, what, do you, what are your thoughts there? Or do you have something to add? And then Dave would chime in. That way I can put a name to a voice. Since we can't see who is talking, it takes a strong quarterback to conduct that orchestra so we know exactly which voice goes with which name. I would recommend you do that throughout the entire episode, just to kind of help us uh, follow along a little easier so it doesn't get so confusing. At the beginning here, did you do something or did you set them up in a way to respond the way they did? Because they didn't just say, hey, uh, thanks for having me. They all had a little something, but it wasn't very long. What did you do to prepare them for the introduction? So the day before, I always do, uh, I usually do this with all my guests. I do a prep session. And we just kind of talk through the flow, give them a heads up of, of the intro. We don't, we don't really script it out. It's more of just an idea of what to expect, the flow of it. And so that is, so that was done uh, the day before, which I think helps in terms of what, what you're asking. Yeah, absolutely. Because they, it wasn't just thanks for being here. It added a little entertainment value, but it, they didn't overstay their welcome. They just chimed in. Hey, yeah. And you also might hear me referred to as fish, but I, I can't wait to get into it. And then back to you. So it, it gave a little of their personality and kind of told us what they were about, but they didn't, they didn't give us this long diatribe and, and it kept the momentum of the show going. So overall, the intro I thought was pretty solid. I loved it. Yeah. I, I love the fact that the third guest, you like, you don't have any nicknames to you either. And he's like, none that, none that, and I, cause it, it was so 
professional at that point. I was like, wow, this is like, you know, meet the press kind of thing. So when that got injected in there, I was like, okay, we can have fun here too. We're going to learn. We've got some great panelists, but it's not going to be too stuffy here. So that yeah, was- just don't forget to give us a little bit of you in there too, Rob. Let, let you shine a little bit, demonstrate your expertise in the space before you roll into it, just so you kind of set the groundwork that it's still my show. It's still about me. We, we love our guests and we bring them on to help out. Uh, but you're the quarterback of the team. Yeah. Would you recommend like a boilerplate type of intro that always comes on with every episode before I do the intro of the guest? Well, you kind of had that, the whole... No, I'm talking about myself. Yeah, so when you go into it, I don't think I brought the sheet down. So you go into it. Here's what the show is all about. We talk about leadership. We're going to talk about the, the... Uh, their problems and how you can use their expertise to solve your problems as well. And then right after that, just say, you know, I'm Rob Fonte. I've been in leadership roles for yada, yada. I've been helping leaders adjust their, their, whatever, their strengths and weaknesses and overcome their hurdles for the past 14 years. And I, you know, everybody from solopreneurs to fortune 500 companies, you know, some, just, just a sentence or two that says, I know what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not just some schmo who called up a bunch of CEO buddies to get on the phone. Like, I like the way, like the way, like the way Dave mentions that he's in the podcast Hall of Famer, something like that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It reminds us. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, all Dave has to do is say podcast Hall of Fame and you go, oh, okay. Dave apparently knows what he's talking talking about. Hopefully. (laughs) 2005 and Hall of Fame. Yeah. Mic drop. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right, I I like this because it was kind of a behind the scenes um, clip. It's uh, well, let's just play it and then I'll tell you why. I in like a live it. interview, I'm a believer in things that interviewees hate, which is the behavioral style of interviewing, which is the questions that begin with "Tell me about a time when." I'm actually a, a believer in that because it forces them to actually tell me a story about their actual experience and what they actually did, not some hyperbole or some indefinite thing like what they would do or what they might do or in this situation or that situation, they actually tell me a story. So my now ex-stepson about five months ago was going on job interviews and through this whole time I was like, oh, if I'd known this existed, I would have said, listen to this because there was so much behind the scenes of what the other guy on the interview table is thinking. And I was like, wow, okay. It really, for me, as much as it's about managers, it's about like people that are being interviewed. I'm like, this is what that guy is thinking about. And uh, so I just love the fact that it was like, wow, this is, this guy's peeling back the curtain and I'm getting information that I can't get other places. So Yeah, I thought you did a great job getting these guys to tell stories and really give us information that we can use. A little later on, he gets into you can't interview for crazy. And I thought that was awesome. Like he tells all three of these guys tell great stories. And I thought I thought that question there in particular gave your listener some useful information that they can actually take back to the job tomorrow and use in their next interview process. And then you did a really good job of either summarizing what somebody said or making sure like everybody was involved with the conversation. So here's a quick clip. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting thought. I mean, I know there's managers out there that take the opposite approach. They take joy in trying to intimidate or make the candidate very uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the best approach, but I do know that there are two schools of thought out there. Fish, what do you think? And what I love about this is it would have been a really boring show 
If it was like, how do you conduct interviews? Oh, I like to intimidate the crap out of them. How about you? Me too. Me too. Me too. All right. Next subject. So it was a nice discussion going on. And I just thought it was a cool that you kind of, all right, let's summarize what we've heard already. And now kind of restate the the question a little bit. There are two schools of thought. And now we're going to go to a tiebreaker and let fish break it. And I just thought that was just a cool transition of, of keeping the, the conversation going, but yet keeping everybody else involved. Yeah. If you all have the same opinion, then the other guys aren't even necessary to be in the conversation. If there's not a little bit of friction there and, and opposing point of view, then there's really no reason to have a guest or a co-host on. And I think you do a nice job of that throughout this particular episode. There were a couple of times where the other guys were like, Oh, I never thought of doing it that way, which I'm, you know, if we're turning uh, seasoned execs on to how to interview. Uh, obviously, the new guy listening to the show is going to get a lot of great pointers. Yeah. All right. Here's another quick clip. I just want to ask Fish a question about that. I would guess that, you know, Glenn says, try to be as comfortable as possible and get them as comfortable as possible. Then you leave the room. That could break down barriers to the point where the candidate might say something to the rep that they wouldn't say to you. And, uh, and it might hurt the candidate. Right. You know, they might feel so comfortable that they say, well, yeah, well, yeah, you can't actually sell this drug because or this thing because of uh, this or that. Has that ever happened? The current person on the team says something that would make the candidate walk away. No, I mean, uh, the candidate saying something they didn't expect to say in an interview. That oh. actually hurt them. <laughs> it hasn't happened, but you know what? There runs that potential and, it's something to look out for. I think that's good insight, Paul. So what I thought was cool about this is it's gone kind of from an in, it's, it is what it is. It's a jam. It's not just you interviewing people and these guys are bouncing ideas off it. And the thing I really liked about this clip, you didn't say a thing. Some people are so freaked out because it's my show that they're like, well, I'm asking the questions here, buddy, or that. But the other thing I thought was cool is had, number one, that was a good question. It was a good conversation. But I'm pretty sure that had that gone in a way that you didn't want it to go, you would have just steered it back in. But I just thought that was a cool clip of like, well, look at these guys just all, you know, it's like we're just batting a a ball around and, you know, going in. And Eric, what did you think? I think as they were kind of doing that. Yeah, on that particular clip, I liked the fact that the other guys were using each other's names so we could follow along. Yeah, you know, Paul, that was a good point, you know, and that helped us kind of keep track of who was on first. I, I, I thought that was a great clip, too. I love the fact that it turned from an interview into a conversation. And that that's really where it started to turn at that point right there. Mm-hmm. Here's another quick clip. I was so enthralled in the interview process and so taken back by the what I thought to be such high quality that I didn't take the opportunity to do the research on that particular person. And it just, I look back on it and I think if I only called one or two more of those references, that would have been a great opportunity because once that person was no longer part of the company, I called that reference and they said, well, why did you not call me? (laughs) Because I could have given you the heads up. And I think to myself, oh, Probably my biggest mistake and something I'll always do if there's something on the borderline there, I definitely take an opportunity to call a reference. And two two things I have on that one. First is I've been there and done that. So <laughs> that one hit a little too close to home. Uh, the second thing was the perfect example of you getting the guys to tell great stories. You know, everything interesting is about people. And when they can tell a story of real life examples and how they've 
interacted and the things that actually happened, good and bad in their lives. That's how we really connect. And that's how we get to know and like these guys, too. I thought that was a great job getting them to truly tell a story of a real life event. Yeah. And I I loved it because how long have you guys known these guys? I, I, have you known them a, a really long time or because they were super comfortable? Yeah, so I've known one of them for uh, a long time, probably about seven years. The other two, only in the last couple of years, because they were worked for a company that was a client of mine. Um, All three did work together, but at the time we recorded, two of them then left and worked at separate companies. So, yeah. Because the fact that he started off with, here's how I kind of messed up, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but... Yeah. Most people don't want to admit that, but here's, you know, here's what I've done. And then the fact that I, I don't know about you, I always, if I ever make a resume, I find the best people I can to be, you know, people that they can call. And I thought it was interesting that a, nobody's getting called and, and people, and then the other one is we were putting uh, referrals on their resumes that are like, yeah, I could have told you that guy's an idiot. I'm like, <laughs> well, that happens a little later. Cause he goes, uh, nobody's dumb enough to put a bad reference on their resume. And he goes, Oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> like there's some pretty stupid people yeah. out there. So again, <laughs> it, it was, it was entertaining. It was behind the scenes stuff that you couldn't get. And again, for me, I just kept thinking, man, if I was somebody that was, cause unfortunately there are a lot of people looking for a job right now. This is gold to kind of get yourself prepared. And then here's another one about prepping for the the interview. I love it when in the first five minutes, you can tell that someone came extremely prepared for this hour visit, learning about me, learning about my team, learning about, mm-hmm. you know, the company and the products. And to your point, having a brag book that just sits there, maybe not getting used, but at least it's sitting there. Not a bad thing. It shows that someone put a lot of effort into this one hour visit. Right. Cause I didn't even know what a brag book was until this interview. I'm like brag books. I'm like, I've brought in letters of, you know, people saying Dave's great and things like that. I guess that's a brag book. I had a brag sheet, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interesting thing about talking about the brag book is you would think there's only two sides of the story. I like the brag book or I don't like the brag book. And they actually came up with three different points of view. One of them says, I don't like the brag book. I don't even look at it. The second one said, I like the brag book. I don't read it. But it, I'm impressed that they actually brought it. And then the third guy goes, oh, yeah, I look through it. I like it. You know, so it was like three completely different points of view on one topic, which goes back to our earlier point. It's great to have guests who have differing points of view. And this is a great example of it right there. Yeah, because it's like, well, I'm going to get a brag book and somebody's not going to look at it. Somebody is and somebody could care less. So it, at least it's like he said, it showed preparedness. So, and this was another one where they were playing off each other and was really, instead of speaking to the interviewee was speaking to the interviewer that was listening. Self-awareness is probably one of the most difficult things or lack of self-awareness, difficult things to coach to and around or through. So if someone lacks self-awareness, it is probably the most problematic thing you'll experience as a leader. And so, and the reason I like that clip is that guy interrupted you. Like you started to move on. He's like, Hey, hold on. Before you move on, I got to make this point. And that's when I kind of, you know, I'm like, this is probably a good point. Cause he just interrupted. Like, I want to say one thing on this before we move on. And it was, it was a really good point. And the fact that, okay, I better exude uh, self-awareness when I go into an interview. So that was another great clip. How are you? And, and I know James is having some problems with his internet. 
how are you guys recording this? Because for phone calls, they didn't sound completely horrible. Yeah, so they were on their, I used Zoom, the Zoom meeting room, and they were on their cell phones, actually. Actually, Fish, it was kind of a, a behind the scenes comical. He was coming in and out. And then he said, you know what? Let me call my landline. I'll call from my landline. And somebody said, what is that? That's kind of like the, the behind the scenes bloopers that we probably should have left in. But yeah, they dialed in through their uh, cell phones, believe it or not. Got it. Eric, the last clip I had was the ending. So I know you had some other points you wanted to, to make here. Yeah, there were just a handful of things. When you were going around the room and you were dishing up the same question to all three of them, I'd recommend that you restate the question each time because after you get through the first two of them and their answers are fairly long and then you went into, you went into, all right, Glenn, how about you? And then Glenn started answering the question. And then by that time, I forgot what the question was. So Mm -hmm. even a little, just a little recap, you know, when it, when it comes to, interviewing mishaps, Glenn, what do you got? You know, just so, oh yeah, that's right. We're talking about uh, when it goes off the rails, something like that. Be careful of a couple of the crutches that you use toward the end of the interview. You say, uh, hey, we're almost out of time. Yeah. You know, if, <laughs> if you're on a podcast, you really don't have a time limit unless you're also airing this on the radio or something. So, you know, maybe if if you want to use a transition phrase, you know, here as we're coming to the the end of our discussion or something like that might be a little better way to wrap it up. Or you could just say, guys, I really appreciate appreciate you guys being here before we go one more thing and then ask the final question, something like that to kind of wrap it up. But we're running out of time is a crutch that a lot of podcasters use and you really don't have a clock to stick to. So um, watch out for those. One last thing I want to bring up, and I don't think it's in the final clip. You say, actually, it's right after you said, we're almost out of time. You said, for my listeners out there, as as for all my listeners out there, and then you went into the question, for this entire conversation, for 25 minutes up to this point, I'm sitting right there at the table with the four of you. It's me and the four of you, and we're having a discussion. And as soon as you say, for my listeners out there, you sent me out of the room. Mm. You, you removed me from the conversation. I've now become a bystander. Before, we were making this personal connection, and it was you and me and these three guys. And as soon as you said that, now I've left the table. And I'm no longer part of this discussion. I'm just eavesdrop. And I'm, I'm not an individual anymore. I'm part of this faceless group Mm. and that you just broke the connection there. So in a way to do that. So if you want to say, if I'm going to ask you guys, let's say I'm doing this interview, we're all podcasters and we're talking about podcasting. So instead of saying, you know, for my listeners, how do you guys grow your show? You know, and now I've done what you just did. And I've talked about this faceless group. Instead, I could say, if I were a brand new podcaster, um, what could I do? to grow my show quickly. You know, now I, I put myself in the listener's shoes and help them really gain some confidence. Or I could say, you know, if you're sitting here listening to Rob tell you how he manages people and how he interviews people, these are some great nuggets and I hope you're writing them down. Rob, one last thing. If I'm going into a brand new interview and I've never interviewed before, what's the one thing I need to know? So I'm talking to my listener and then I, you know, talking about you in third person. And then I turn back to you and ask that last question. 
Hmm. It's a slight adjustment of what you're doing. But as a listener, I, it feels like you and I are having this one-on-one conversation because you're in my earphones and I'm listening to you and I'm right there with you. So Got make it. sure, make sure you embrace me and bring me in. Okay. Yeah, so those great. are my, those are, those are just a couple nuances that you could do to really embrace your listener and make your content a little more powerful. Yeah. Those okay. We've talked about this before. We we call it group speak. And so if somebody says, hey, everybody, no, like I always say, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. I talk to one person all the time. And then when you meet a listener, they'll be like, man, I feel like you're talking to me. The other thing, I was looking through your list of, of episodes. Do you do any solo shows? I do. Okay, good. In fact, uh, the majority of them are solo shows. Okay, good. It's actually... It's actually, believe it or not, the hardest part about doing panels is getting everyone's calendar coordinated. Yeah. <laughs> or do we know that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, because that's, I always say when you, when you do interviews, it grows your network. But when you do a solo show, you grow your influence. Because, and again, just talk to one person and they, they get to know, like, and trust you. And that's really what you want when you're trying to, you know, grow your services. So here's the, here's the final clip. So unfortunately, we're out of time. But on behalf of my listeners, I want to thank you guys for coming in and jamming with me. And I have no doubt many of my listeners are going to walk away with some real valuable tips that they're going to be able to apply immediately when hiring candidates. So once again, thank you for coming on and jamming with me. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. It was a blast. Yeah, Rob, this is great. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening in today. If you're enjoying the podcast, then click the subscribe button, leave a review, and I'll talk to you soon on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast. Eric, we finally got somebody to do it. <laughs> they did. There, there was, was there, 17 things to do there. There was one call to action. We always say it's hard to do one call to action. I'm fairly horrible at it. and But it's hard because by the time you say, Follow me on book chat and link face and blah, 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 and do this and ding the bell and subscribe. Your audience is like, wait, what? Wait, what? So it's great that you had one call to action. The The part of me that I was kind of like, well, that was cool. And then we're going to look at your website. There are a couple of things you could do here to promote your website, uh, even if it was just, you know, welcome to, you know, the Leadership Jam brought to you by the Sardo Group. You know, that just a little blurb to like get your brand out there. Like, what's the Sardo group? I don't know. Let's ask Uncle Google, you know, or you could even say, thanks so much for listening. You know, you know, I, I agree. I like the single focused call to action. That was my positive and my takeaway from that close. The The drawback of the close is it did very little to connect people with you and, and allow you to further the conversation with those folks. You might start just adjust it a little bit rather than saying subscribe and leave a review and we'll talk to you next time. You could say, Hey, find out how to subscribe and how you and I can work together by visiting leadershipjamsession.com or Sardo group or wherever you want to send them, but you can have that information on the website. So the one call to action is go to the website, but they get over to the website to find out how to subscribe to the podcast. And then they realize, Holy cow, look at all this great work Rob does. And, and, you know, so I'm over here and I'm finding out like all of your services, your management training and your coaching services and your leadership development program and your blog and all of this great stuff that's on your website. But you can still have that single call to action. Hey, I'd love to have you subscribe. Leaving a review, done. it's not going to do a whole hell of a lot to, to grow your audience. It's you not. know, 
tell your mom to listen is probably going to grow your audience faster than than, than go leave a review. But, you know, find out how to subscribe, head over to the website and you can also find out how we can work together. It's all over there at leadershipjamsession.com. So the, the way Dave was saying, you grow your audience by interviewing people, you grow your influence by doing solo shows. And if you can work it right, you can actually do both of them. Right here at the end, you come out, they say, hey, Rob, thanks for having us. This was a blast. Congratulations. And then you go into the end. What you could do at the end there is do a little summary of the conversation. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Here are my three takeaways, X, Y, Z. And and when I'm working with clients, I really like to start them down that path by using these three tips You know, I was in a coaching session the other day with a client and I was helping him with his leadership skills. And here are the things we were working on. And the way Fish was talking about, that was the exact same thing I was using with my client. So now it kind of demonstrates the fact that you're a consultant and a coach without saying, hey, would you like me to coach you? You know, it's not this big sales pitch, but you're demonstrating your expertise and your authority in what you do. Um, in that little wrap up at the beginning. And then you could say, thanks again for being here. I, I truly appreciate it. Thanks for coming and spending time with us. Find out how you can subscribe to the show and how we can continue to work together by visiting the website. So at the end, you take a little three minutes or five minutes to do a little summary, demonstrate your authority, send them to the website to continue the conversation and you're wrapped up there. Yeah. However, you don't want to wait all the way until the end. Rob Walsh does a great presentation. Uh, Rob Walsh from Libsyn does a great presentation at Podcast Movement almost every year. And he talks about the state of podcasting. And one of the, the findings is that most people don't make it all the way to the end of your show. So if you're waiting until the end for your call to action, you're missing half of your audience. Put your call to action at the beginning and at the end. At the end, you're going to get your super fans, the people that really love what you do. But at the beginning, you're going to get everybody. So before we get into the conversation today, we have three great guys that are going to come on and tell you a whole bunch of great stuff. You know, I can't wait for you. If you want to find the show notes and you want to find out how to get in contact with us, you can head over to leadershipjamsession.com and that will give you all of the details on today's show. You can find out our free resource right there. It's our resume cheat sheet or our our inner are the three questions you have to ask in every interview or, or something like that. And you put that call to action right up front. Now let's get into our panel discussion. We have three great guys and you introduce them and you roll into it. So you can still grow your influence by adding a little bit at the front and a little bit at the back without a whole bunch more work or, or a lot more editing for James. Yeah, I always, I, I've deemed that strategy the Jerry Springer. Because if you think about it, you'd always have this mayhem, <laughs> people going crazy. What did we learn today? What did we learn today? <laughs> exactly. And that's where you can say, I really like this and I've done this in the past and blah, blah, blah. And that's where people now get to to know you as well as, you know, wow, he had these other great experts, guys, and some guy that kicked off the show. I had a uh, a friend of mine did a show, and she's a, a great speaker, but she did the show, and it was uplifting stories and things like that. But she never, ever mentioned that she was a speaker. And the one day I asked her, I'm like, how's your show going? She goes, not get any speaking gigs. And at the time I just met her, I go, wait, you do speaking gigs? And she goes, yeah, I go, right. I, I've, I've listened to every episode. I've never heard you say that. <laughs> and she was worried about it being a giant commercial. And I said, all you have to say is I was working, I was speaking at a high school last week to a bunch of kids. And this one kid came up and asked a question. And I thought, that's something I need to talk about on the podcast. Bingo. That was your commercial. I talked to high school kids. So you don't, you don't have to make this a giant sales pitch just so they know that 
you're available for uh, for other things. But the website, let me go ahead and, and share my screen here, is I, I wondered who did this. And I, I looked in this earlier when I saw it was podcast websites. And uh, Mark and his crew over there always do good work. The, the only thing that jumped out at me, and this is just me being a big giant podcast nerd and the fact that they just upped their game. I would, Eric, if you could close your ears for a second, <laughs> I would, I would lose either the iHeartRadio uh, button or Stitcher and replace it with Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts took a huge jump this week. They now made it super easy to add your show to Google Podcasts. They're, they are making strides to get their toe deeper into the, the podcast space. And they were just on a show called The New Media Show with Todd Cochran from Blueberry and Rob Greenlee. And they had the guys from Google on there and they were just saying, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. So and the the beautiful thing is that I have to hit the applause button. They finally killed Google Play Music and Google Play Music was never released to the world. It was only available in North America. And for about the past three months, it hasn't worked. So I was very happy to see that piece of crap go away. So that was the first thing that that jumped out at me. But other than that, it's it's a really nice looking website. Eric, what were your thoughts on the on the website? I thought it was clean. It was nice. It confused me a little with the Sarlo group connecting with leadership jam session podcast. I'd like to see a little bit in the, in the podcast to kind of make that link, you know, even at the end, if it's a leadership jam session is a production of Sarlo, you know, the Sarlo group or something like that. I thought the website look overall was great. It was very clean. The, the one thing I had, the concern I had was the very homepage of the website itself in terms of getting to work with you. It's only under the services pull down menu that I find out what you actually do and how I can work with you. So I might recommend that the, the, our services down below the management training, leadership development program, coaching services, maybe one of those buttons is above the fold and just you know, kicks you in the face, but you know, that's a little nitpicky thing. The whole podcast or the whole website itself looks great. I love the clean look. I love when you go to the podcast page, you can scroll through all of them. You click on one and it pulls up a beautiful site that or a beautiful page that looks just like the one you were on. It just has more information. I love the big player. So you can listen to the episode right there from the page along with the episode notes. Yeah. I like the color scheme. It doesn't look like a unicorn threw up on it. So yeah, it's, it's great. I loved it. Yeah. The- With regard to losing the iHeart and the Stitcher thing, you got to realize that Dave changes favorite podcast platforms faster than a high school boy changes girlfriends. So, you know, three weeks ago, he hated Google. Now all of a sudden it's his best friend. So yeah. I don't know. Well, well, the other thing, and this this is, I really had to dig for this one. And it's such a little thing is if you wanted to, when you, there's a subscribe button on the Captivate player. So for some reason, I was trying to think if this ever happens, if the if the player, I think it's on the other page, when you can scroll down and see multiple episodes. So I don't have subscribe buttons right in front of me. Granted, they're at the top of the page. But when I click on these, there aren't any. And in Captivate, you can actually put your links to Google and uh, Apple and Spotify, and they'll actually be right there on the player. So it's just a, a little easier way to to add those. And uh, else, oh, the other thing I thought, and I wanted to get your opinion on this, Eric, is kind of like you said when you first come to the page, I'm I'm coming to the podcast website, 
and I'm I'm looking at podcasts, which is great. But when I go to about, there's about the team and about the Sardo name, and I guess down here, and there's about Rob, which is great. But there's nothing about the podcast, so I I would add a page of about the team, about the Sardo name, and about the podcast. So if somebody comes here and goes, what is this thing? And you can say, oh, well, the, you know, the Leadership Jam Session podcast is where such and such. Just take your about from iTunes and throw that in there. That was really, when I looked at it, I was like, that's really about the only thing I would add. Because you've got a great get in touch, which is you've got an about page, you've got contact, you've got your services, you know. And that's when I saw, I said, well, wait a minute, this is part of the Sardo Lido group. I'm like, somehow I would try to work that, even if it's just, you know, today's show is brought to you by the Sardo Leadership Group. Find it at sardoleadershipgroup.com. And people may not even realize that that's you. They'll be like, oh, and this guy's cool. He's got his own sponsor already. So I've, I've seen people do that. And then you go over to like, hey, wait a minute. That's him. That's not a sponsor. <laughs> but all in all, I thought, and, and that's when I saw that this was uh, podcast websites. And I was like, well, that explains that. Because uh, Mark's got a great team over there. Yeah. And But all in all, I, like I said, I was kind of scrounging of like, well, I, I got to find something here. And that's why I was like, oh, okay, subscribe buttons and there's no about page. But other than that, you know, your show notes are great. You've got the bullet points of what are, what's in it. So people can decide whether or not they want to click on play. So I love the key takeaways of the, of the show notes that it wasn't really long. You could find a handful of bullet points in there. You might, you might link, I'm just looking at episode 16, the latest episode here. You might put some links in there on how to connect with the individual you're talking to or about something like that, just to make it easier to find them. And that way in the episode, it gives you another reason to say, if you want to connect with Fish or, or PJ, head on over to the show notes and in episode seven, and you'll see all the their contact information right there. Any questions for us as we start to, to wrap up? No, I think the feedback has been great. It's exactly what, what we were looking for. So it sounds like we're not doing too bad. No, the show's <laughs> solid. Yeah, I like the show a lot. You did ask in your uh, intake form about growing the show. I would suggest you ask your guests to share that with their tribe or their following or even on their social media, on their LinkedIn page or something like that. That might help spread. Hey, everybody, I was on with Rob on the on the uh, Leadership Jam Session podcast, check it out. Here's the link. That'll help you grow a little bit there. Get listeners to spread the word. You know, hey, if you love what you're hearing, invite a friend to come along or, you know, turn one of your leadership buddies onto it. You got a CEO friend that could use this, send the link to them. You know, we'd love to tell them. The the biggest way you could do it is find ways to get on other platforms and uh, get interviewed regarding your expertise and what you do on the show. Find other podcasts to get on. Uh, guest blog, articles, interviews, wherever you can show up and get in front of a crowd. And and when you're, if you're doing any public speaking, you can say, you know what, the other day on my leadership jam session podcast, I had a chance to interview yada yada. And we talked about this very thing. And, you know, you can just kind of drop subtle hints like that here and there in front of uh, audiences. But anytime you can get in front of somebody else's audience, it's going to help your show grow quicker. Yeah. And okay. when it comes to, uh, to guests too, it's it's not enough to say, hey, you know, our episode's out. Thanks so much for being on. If you could share it with your, your group, give them a link. Here's the link to share. If you've got a graphic person that could make a graphic for it, here's a graph. Anything you can do so that they don't have to think. All they have to do is copy and paste 
Yeah, if you can write the post for them, it makes it so much easier for them to share it. Yeah, because that's when they're like, oh, yeah, I'll share it later. And they think I'll have to write, I was on the, you know, Leadership Jam pod. And they're like, no, here, just copy and paste this. They're they're much more likely to do it because it, they all want to. It's not that they hate sure. it, but it's like, I'll do that right after I get my coffee. And you're like, mm. And a lot of people want to know how many downloads they should have. Is this a good number? And it really depends on your niche. You know, you don't necessarily want a, a large audience. You want the right audience. You know, I'd rather have I'd rather have 200 diehard fans that love everything I do than a thousand fans who don't even remember my name. Like it's not going to be effective It's if it's a large uh, audience that could take it or leave it. You want the right people there. And when you're in a, one of the big three niches, which are money, weight loss, and relationships, you're going to have a much larger audience than if you're in a, a small niche audience talking about podcasting or fishing or Jeeps. You know, it's you, you, your audience is relative. So there isn't really a, a right size or a right rate of growth. It just depends on the quality of listeners you have enjoying the show. I think the uh, one of the best answers I've heard on this, and I can't remember his last name, Jeff from Lead to Read or Read to Lead. And he said, it's kind of like asking somebody, hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm out running track now. You know, I'm, I'm going to run a mile. I ran this, you know, I, I just did a seven minute mile or a tw- I, I just did a 19 minute mile. Is that good? And you might say, well, you know, a four minute mile is really good, but it, it kind of depends on where you're coming from. You know, if you've been running track for years and you're running a 20 minute mile, no, that's that's not probably that good. But if you're, you know, if you just got off the couch for the first time in 25 years and you do a 19 minute mile, that's phenomenal that you even ran it. So it kind of depends on where you're coming from, you know, who your audience is, you know, 300 downloads for the Pygmy Pony show is phenomenal. 300 downloads for the We're All Fat show is dismal. So it kind of depends on how niche you are. And and that's when Eric was talking about, like, who's your target audience? Because in some cases, the the more targeted your audience, the smaller the audience, but the more rabid the audience. You know, I always use the example of football. You know, we could do football and it's college and it's the NFL, or we could do just the NFL, niche it down a little bit. Okay, now is it just the the West Coast or the okay, let's go East Coast. All right, is it is it um uh, I hate say I live in Ohio. Our our teams suck. I don't watch any of this stuff. <laughs> but you know if, if I finally, use the Browns, use the Browns. Yeah, if I finally get it down to the Browns, you know, I'm gonna have a much a much smaller much audience, smaller audience than the Patriots. <laughs> but you know, the people that are listening are diehard fans. So sometimes if you can kind of really determine A who your audience is, that also helps you dictate what's going to be on the show but just because your just because your niche is tighter does not necessarily mean your audience will be smaller right for instance if i'm a brand new leader i let's say i've been in management for 18 months and i'm just still trying to figure it out i've only interviewed like four people in my life because i'm in a small company and i'm listening to you and you're targeting all managers And sometimes you're getting in there saying, well, you know, if you're, you know, if you're hiring for your division and, you know, the three senior VPs of that division are interviewing for salespeople, I, as the new small company manager, I'm going to go, this is way, like, I don't, this doesn't even affect me. Like, I'm not, this doesn't relate to me at all. 
because we're talking Fortune 500 companies with divisions and three senior VPs. It's just me and the guy that owns the company, and I just mm-hmm. interview people and hire them. So when you know exactly who you're talking to, like let's say you're talking to a middle manager who oversees a team of a dozen people, and they hire on average three people a year because they have high turnover and you know that's your audience, when you're interviewing Fish and, and these guys and you're saying, yeah, but if I'm, if I'm going through like three interviews a year, and that's not very many, considering you know uh, my sales team hires half a dozen people every month, if I'm going through and I'm only hiring three a year, how do I develop some sort of routine? You know, So now I'm asking the question that my listener would ask because he's that new 18-month manager. Where if I'm just trying to create questions that any manager would ask, uh, sometimes it it's, it pertains to my situation and sometimes it doesn't. So mm-hmm. it makes your content more effective when you know who exactly who you're talking. Now, if I'm saying, yeah, but how do I get into a routine? Because I've only been in 18 months. That doesn't mean the guy that's been in it 15 years doesn't need that same information. It just means it hasn't doesn't have the same bow tie on it that it does for the brand new guy. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. James, any questions we could help you with? So I don't know if you guys noticed, but I had a couple of internet issues along the way. So <laughs> just a couple. <laughs> a couple of things. I'm not sure if I missed it or not. So I apologize if, if I sound redundant in any way. But when we think about Rob's area and his niche and we, you know, Rob and I just had a, a discussion this morning about the ideal customer avatar and and Who should we be honing in on? Because we have some other ideas about some other products and things that we want to deliver, right? So we talk about emerging leader as one of the customer avatars that we know we want to focus on. Probably probably the core, you know, we're still kind of deciding on that. But when we think about the podcast, our question is, if we niche down to the emerging leader and there are other folks that we want to also serve. So there is the C-suite and the V-suite or the directors, or, you know, the second line managers, in addition to the, the first line managers. We, we also, we're starting to find ourselves thinking about, well, how broad do we get and still stay within our niche of leadership without becoming the, the read to leads or the Dave's the Hoey acts, or, you know, with going way too broad and, and talking about too big of a pie in the sky about leadership and in terms of big culture, big organization culture and other big topics. Like we're trying to figure out where is that line? So we don't cross it too far and alienate the emerging leader. But there's a lot of other folks that still need some of this content because at the end of the day, a lot of it, a lot of the fundamentals are carried across and Rob, if I'm mischaracterizing anything, uh, let me know. But that's, we just wanted to get some thoughts on that. So let me rephrase it a little bit and and make sure I'm understanding it right. So you, your ideal avatar would be that emerging leader, that, that person that's new into leadership trying to learn it. We want to create content that's impactful for that leader, but we don't want to alienate the other leaders. Is that kind of what we're looking to do? I mean, it's, it's, it's to an extent, right? So, you know, we don't want to alienate other people, but we're not solely focused. Rob's not solely focused on the emerging leader. It's just, it's, it's, it's a heavy part and parcel of what, what is going on here. But when we think about where do you direct 
and and the concentration of content who either you know how should we be thinking about this should we think about who needs it most should we be thinking about it as it is a broad group, so we sh- it should be okay to try to cater to the larger the larger group here. Yeah. So my suggestion would be if you're looking to use the podcast to drive the business, let's start with the end in mind. Who are the ideal clients we're looking to track to attract, and who do we want to demonstrate our expertise and authority to? Who are, is that person that we want to use this podcast to bring into the business? That's the avatar. That's the person we want to target. Now, if if you want to build your business around emerging leaders and those are the people you want to coach and lead, then that should be your avatar. If your bread and butter are C-suite executives, that should be your avatar. If it's middle-level managers, you know, who are division leaders and they have six managers under them, then that should be the avatar. So let's say our avatar, we've decided that our avatar is going to be emerging leaders. Now, the conversation you had today on this episode we reviewed, where we talk about interviewing, appeals and applies to every level of leadership when they do interviews and they're hiring people. But you can frame the conversation with respect to the emerging leader. So if you're saying, hey, you know, when I was, it's hard to interview for crazy, right? How do you figure out if the guy's crazy or not before you go into it? And here's the mistake I made when I was an emerging leader and when I was just getting into the business. I neglected to call references because I didn't feel it was important. Now, you're still creating content that's appealing to the C-suite on down, but you're really framing it for that emerging leader. You're, you're framing your answers and your content with respect to that single individual. So it can still be content that everybody finds useful. It's just packaged in a way that makes it most useful for the avatar. Got it. Would the, I don't know if this would work. Could you interview, I'm trying to get everybody involved. Could you interview a C-suite manager to give tips for the up and coming manager? Yeah. Yeah, So what you could do, Dave, is you could say, okay, when you become a C-suite executive, um, you're going to need to learn A, B, and C. And the best way to learn A, B, and C is to do this, that, and the other thing. On your path to get there, make sure you have these three elements or these three skill sets as you're developing your leadership skills. So you're helping the C-suite executive figure out what they need to learn today and where they can learn it most. But you're also helping the the emerging leader visualize the future. Yeah, because I Mm -hmm. thought if I could interview a C-suite manager, now I'm networking with this one type of audience, but I'm talking to the other type. Like I'm using... Instead of specifically designing a show for C-suite managers, I'm going to use them as the source of content to talk to these other people. So I'm growing my network and these people might go, well, this guy really knows this marketing stuff. Maybe we should hire him for our company. But at the same time, maybe getting content for the up and comers. I thought you might be able to work both angles to that. And that's where I don't know quite enough about C-suite managers to know exactly (laughs) what I'm talking about. But that's why I said, would that work? If it comes down to it, let's say we decide emerging leaders is our is our yeah. target market. We can filter our content to make sure it is appealing to them while not excluding our other markets. Right. So like how do you get your first management gig is probably not a topic that we want to address on the show because then we're going to alienate the upper level managers. But we could talk about we could talk about the the career ladder 
to the C-suite, we could talk about how you go from being that entry-level emerging leader to being the CMO or the CFO or the CEO. Like, what does that path look like? And all paths are different, but we could talk about how we get there. And now it helps that emerging leader, but it also helps CEOs find out how to groom their emerging leaders to get to that spot. Yeah, you answered the one question that James and I have been struggling with, which is really trying to benchmark, you know, our downloads based on uh, relative to others that have launched in a certain time frame. Oh. But, uh, you know, right I think the, the, I know. <laughs> the worst thing you can do is compare yourself to somebody else. We mentioned earlier, John Lee Dumas is a guy. And for a while, everybody was comparing their numbers to John. And I was like, well, wait a minute. John doesn't have kids. This is his full-time job. He he has openly said he had six figures in the bank when he started. I go, this he guy- He spent a lot of money to launch and grow his show. Yeah, I go, and granted, you got to have talent, and, and he's, you know, he didn't buy his way to the top, but he's hitting from a different set of tees. And I go, meanwhile, let's talk about you, Mr. Podcaster. Well, I've been married for 17 years. I'm getting ready to take Johnny Jr. to the soccer practice. And I'm like, you you are not, this is apples and oranges. You can't compare those two. And it's like, yeah, we would all love to make, you know- 600 grand a month. But I've seen people literally, they'll be like, I can't believe I have 400 people listening to me. That's 20 classrooms of people. I didn't think anybody was going to listen. And then they'll go into a Facebook group. It's like, we just went over a million downloads. And they're like, oh, I'm going to quit. I'd never forget about it. And I'm like, wait a minute, how long have they been doing it? Where did they come from? What's their background? What's their, you know, you've got a a super niche show. They're doing weight loss for fat people. I'm like, that's not fair. You got to you know, yeah. and, and the other thing I, I would, I would set a goal and work your way backward into it. Like, where would you like to be? If you want a thousand downloads by, by in a year, what is that going to take to get there? You, if you do the math and you back up into it, you need like four or five new listeners every day, Monday through Friday. Like, let's give you the weekend off. What could you do today to go find four brand new listeners to the show? And get them to go and download the episode. And then tomorrow, do the same thing. And tomorrow, do the same thing. And if you can get four new people to download it every day, Monday through Friday, you're finding four new people over the course of the year, you're going to have a thousand new listeners. So, Eric, but it takes, it takes, it takes action every single day to go out and make those connections and find mm-hmm. those people. You know, if you're on a, a podcast episode, if you're on five podcast interviews a week, talking to a various audience, if you can get four of those listeners from that interview to come and listen to the show and subscribe, but then you also have to keep everybody else that's already subscribed. So it sounds easy to do, but you know, you might be able to do it for the first month. And then all of a sudden, who else are you going to tap? Where else are you going to find them? Where else are you going to go? I mean, doing, doing five interviews a week, that's, that's a ton of interviews. That's a, that's 250 interviews a year. I don't know anybody that does that kind of interviews. So, I mean, it'd be realistic. Could you get one new listener a day? What would that do for you? That would get you 250 downloads over the course of the year. It's just a matter of where you're going to go find them and how you're going to create that relationship. Find the people on, you know, everybody tries to do this broadcast advertising, right? They go out, I'm going to run Facebook ads to everybody. Well, why not just go create relationships with three people today and say, hey, James, I, I had a lot of fun con- connecting with you today. Would you do me a favor and go take a listen to my podcast? Let me know what you think. And who knows, James might become a, a listener. 
You know, I've talked to three guys right here. I can get all three of you to just go at least check out my podcast at podcasttalentcoach.com and tell me what you think about it. And all of a sudden I get, you know, two of you might like it. And if I just keep doing that, it's more important to go create relationships with individuals and get them to listen to your show than go get a bullhorn and stand out on the corner and say, please listen to my show because that's not going to work. Yeah. Another thing with stats that will drive you crazy is looking at monthly stats because monthly stats will have giant swings. And what it is, is all it takes is one person on a stage somewhere that you don't even know, but they've listened to your podcast and they're on slide 17 and they're like, oh yeah, I got this from Rob. He does this great podcast, Leadership Jam. You got to check it out. It's one of my favorite podcasts. And all of a sudden you're, all right. this, you, you go into your stats and you're like, what is going on? The last 22 podcasts have been downloaded four times. Like what's, it's just four, 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 four. It's because four people went and said, oh, and then some apps have my favorite button of all time, which is download all. And it just, and they just, all of a sudden you get a huge spike and you have no idea why. That's the thing that's kind of frustrating about it. So I always look at, I say, pick a, a, whatever interval you want. I'll, I'll go in and I'll look at the first seven days of a podcast and I will go in and look at the specific episode, not the month, the episode and say, okay, well, I got X amount of downloads for this episode. And then I'll look at the next one and I'll look at, okay, how many did this one get in the first seven days? And by having the same criteria, you can tell if you're going up or not. And by looking at each episode, and then I usually look at seven and 30. I don't spend a lot of time because I always tell people looking at your stats does not make them grow. And you can really go, (laughs) go crazy with that. But when yeah. I when I upload a when I upload a new episode, I look at the stats from the previous one, put it in a spreadsheet, and then like, oh, that one went up. Okay, good. And the, or that one went down. All right, well, let's see if that's a trend or not. Nope, it's not. This one went up, and you just kind of. For me, I always just do the best I can, and it's always fun that you'll 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 pour your heart into an episode, and you get crickets, and then you'll do one, and you kind of push the publish button, going. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I'll put this out and be like, that's the best thing ever. And you're like, really? It's like, it was, I thought it was horrible. So, yeah. yeah. So, so what's your thoughts then about frequency of releasing episodes? So right now we're on a every other week cadence. Hmm? There's the obvious, you go weekly, you're, it's, uh, your episodes, you know, you'll, you'll see something there in terms of increase. Right. But what do you think? Well, for me, what it does is if you, I always say it, I don't want to say it doesn't matter where your schedule is, but it does matter. I think unless you're Dan Carlin, of course, who puts out an episode <laughs> whenever he wants, but if you can come up with a schedule, now you are shown to be reliable and like the feed from Lipson publishes every other week. And when I see it, I'm like, Oh cool. It's, it's every other week already. So it, it just shows consistency and reliability. And if you can do weekly, you then become part of, they start building their routine. Like Wednesday or Thursdays, I listen to Hate to Wait, which is some friends of mine. That's like, that's the first thing I do. I'm like, oh, cool. It's Thursday. John and, and Emily are here. You know, that kind of thing. What are your thoughts, Eric, on uh, consistency and scheduling? Consistency is the key. There really isn't a, a right answer to it. I like to get people in the habit of listening to my show. And regardless of the day that I publish the show, they're going to listen to it on the day that is most convenient and routine for them. So my favorite podcast I listen to every Saturday when I'm out mowing the yard. It, I I think it comes out 
on Fridays, I don't know. It really doesn't matter to me when it comes out. All I want is that every Saturday when I go to listen to it, it's there because I get in the habit of it. So it's fine if you want to do it every other week, because like Dave said, every other week, he knows that the Libsyn podcast, the feed is going to be there. It's just a little harder to build that that routine if it's every other week. I think every day is too much because when you fall behind, then it's it's tough to catch up and you just stop listening. Like I was listening to Gary V's Gary Vaynerchuk's podcast and he releases all the time. And I got like 76 episodes behind and I'm like, I'm never going to catch up here. And I, and I stopped listening because I have other podcasts like Dave's that come out every week and I listen to it consistently every week. And that's it. It's just the routine. And I can't tell you when Dave's comes out. I just know that every Tuesday when I go to look for it, it's there. And so that's what I would say. If you want to do it, just pick a day and be consistent so your audience expects it. If that's every week, great. If it's every other week, fantastic. Just find a way to get them to subscribe and know that it's going to be there every. If you're going to do it every other week, I might suggest the first and third or, you know, the first and third Tuesday, just so you can promote it in that way. Because I don't know if it's an on week or an off week. And, you know, is, right. is it here? Is it not there? Yeah. Yeah. Also, too, when it comes to, to scheduling, you know, you can't, you, there's work-life balance. There's, there's you know, sometimes there's these pesky things called customers to get in the way. You know, it's like, but also one of my favorite shows, and I'm not going to say them because what I'm going to say isn't very nice. They went from doing one show a week to two. And it's kind of like when you have that nice eight ounce glass of Kool-Aid and then you dump an extra eight ounces in and you go, wow, this is watered down. Like this is not, mm, this is not good. And so it's, they, they've, it's, it's, what was the album by Guns N' Roses? They came Use your losing one and two. Yeah. If they'd taken those two albums, they could have had one great album. And instead they had two albums that were eh, a couple good ones here, a couple good ones there. So be careful about adding episodes to... Just mm-hmm. like I want to be weekly. I'm like, oh, weekly, if you can make good content on a weekly basis. And the problem that I have with the twice a week or the three times a week is yeah. I don't remember if I've listened to it or not. Like yeah. I pull it up. I'm like, did I have I listened to this episode? Oh, wait, this is the second episode of the week. No, I haven't listened to this one yet. Yeah. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, that's too much thinking. I just want to hit play and go. What about uh, any trends that you're seeing? Thanks to COVID nineteen and trending down and and obviously in downloads, but but also not just in number of downloads, but in day of the week in terms of listening. Yeah, it's used to be during the week was up because people were listening on their commute, and right. and weekends were down, and it's actually a little bit gone the other way. People are catching up on the weekends now, and it's down a little bit during the week. If you want to do a business show for kids probably go gangbusters right now. Kids, all the kids stuff. Cause parents are like, I need something to get this kid out of here. I've got to do some work, <laughs> you know? So I know some of the kids shows have been going through the roof, but other than that, I, I know Todd Cochran over at Blueberry says he hasn't seen anything. He's like, we're, we're doing, yeah. you know, it, it kind of depends on, I think what your show is like some sports shows, they just gave up. They're just like, well, our, our season's over. And other guys are like, Hey, you know what? the players don't have anything to do. We could get mm-hmm. them on the show. And they did. So it, it kind of depends in some cases, I think on your attitude, yeah. Eric, you, any thoughts on that? Now I've seen a lot of people, I've seen the interest in launching a podcast increase because oh, everybody's sitting at right. home looking for something to do. But in terms of listening, 
you know, everybody is out of sorts and just their their routine is off. And yeah, so yeah. they're listening, not not just uh, podcast consumption, but media consumption is just it's a different beast right now. So it's really kind of tough to judge. E- even uh, Nielsen, who is the company that does ratings for television and, and radio, they're telling advertising agencies, don't look at the ratings during this period right now because they're not going to be a, a good reflection of what you're buying when this is all over. So yeah. they, everybody knows that right now it's just crazy. So don't even bother trying to, to make any assumptions on what you're seeing. What I'm going to be interested to see is for the past month and a half, all these production companies have not been producing TV and movies. And so that means somewhere along the, like I know on, um, Netflix, they just bought a Waco movie and it's like from 2018, like there's going to be a shortage of content because nobody's making any. And so I'll be interested. I don't know if that's going to make effect or not, but I kind of look at that and go, you know, in the same way that they're saying there might be a meat shortage because I guess we haven't been killing cows as much as we normally do. And I'm like, well, if there's going to be a cow shortage or a meat shortage, that might mean there's an entertainment shortage. And hopefully they'll then go, well, I'm going to finally go listen to this podcast thing I've never heard of. I don't know. It'd be great if that's the case, but we, we yeah, shall I bet see. The number of, I bet the number of podcasts consumed goes up. Yeah. Uh, that's just a guess, though, because average pod, the person that listens to podcasts consumes an average of six different shows a week. And I bet that number increases just because the 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 content is there, there's not as much there. So you need to go find new stuff. Yeah. Right. But okay. it'll be interesting awesome. to see how it plays out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, we appreciate it very much. This has been great for us. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. Any way uh, we can help you in the future, just reach out and holler. We'll be more than happy to try and point you in the right direction. But you got a great show, Rob. I, and, and James, you do a fantastic job producing it. It sounds great. The The production value is there. Rob, I think you have a great voice in terms of, of interviewing skills. You sound authoritative. I could use a little more smile in your voice. You know, I hear it coming from your from your guests. When you smile when you're on the mic, people hear it coming through the microphone. Just uh, yeah. you, you have a solid show. There's, I think the things that we're finding were just little ways to polish it up and and uh, make it just a touch better. But overall, structurally, the 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 show sounded great, and I, your content's solid. Yeah, that was That's great. That was me. I was like, and again, the the website leadershipjamsession.com. And we normally don't say this, but to me, I was like, we could have used a little more commercials in it, you know, promote yourself a little more in it because you've got this great background and we, you just don't get that from the, the podcast. So that's that's the only thing I would somehow add is find a way, even if it's just as simple as, you know, I was talking to a client last week, something to let them know. To And like uh, Eric was saying, get them to your website, because when you go to the website, you're like, wait, there's a whole lot more going on here than a podcast. So thanks for coming on the show. And uh, Eric, uh, what's coming up with you? I'm just cranking out the episodes, uh, doing all I can. You can find me over at podcasttalentcoach.com. Always looking for some some new ideas. So if there's topics you want me to touch on, come on by and see us right there. And Dave, how about you? What do you got working this summer? I am. Uh, I just got done. I interviewed a woman from MightyNetworks.com, which is this kind of course building, build-in app, community thing. And I got that from a, a, another interview I did. One of my somebody came on, and they're just. 
they tripled their business because they started a basically a course slash membership site. And I was like, okay, I got to go find out about Mighty Networks. And that's coming up in the future, as well as some other fun-filled tools I'm uh, I'm playing with. But if you'd like to, to sit in the chair where, where Rob and James got them all warmed up, all you have to do is come over to podcastreviewshow.com slash review me. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you again real soon with another episode of the Podcast Review Show. This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world, one download at a time. Hey, it's Dave. Thanks for sticking around here. Again, this is not the norm, but we've kind of got a time-sensitive issue here because this webinar is March 21st about book launch secrets. It's myself and Thomas Umstadt, and then he's going to talk about this course. And it's going to basically go over everything you need to know about launching your book. And you'll learn proven principles and methods to help your next book or get your first book off the ground like a rocket. Thomas, the same way that I live and breathe podcasting, Thomas lives and breathes books. And then what's beautiful about it is his kind of mentor, James L. Rubart, it's kind of like getting Han Solo and Yoda at the same time. And the reason I think this is so important is this is the last time they're teaching this course. Now, the webinar you're signing up for, absolutely free, and you're going to walk away with a lot of great ideas and an offer. We're not going to lie to you. They're going to talk to you and ask you to take this course. But there's so much value in just the free webinar. I wanted to let you know that it's going on. And it's happening very, very soon, March 21st. Look at the calendar. Yeah, that's like, holy cow, it's coming right up. All you have to do is go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash book launch. That's schoolofpodcasting.com slash book launch. I can't wait to see you there.